Welcome to Keeper Chat. My name is Flora. And my name is Fauna. And this is a weekly podcast where we chat about animals. We are both real-life zookeepers who love animals. We love learning about animals, and we enjoy goofing off with each other. <laughs> each week, <laughs> we will be discussing a new animal and learning more about them. As always, nothing we say reflects our organizations, and all thoughts nope. and opinions are our own. So, <laughs> with that, let's get grimy. <laughs> gross. <laughs> yes, it was gross. Um, Fauna, I guess I can just go ahead. How was your, how was your work, work week? How, how you been? Uh, work's been good. Nice, uh, I nice. did have something happen the other day, though, that was asinine. <laughs> <laughs> so I was prepping some diets, and I thought it would be interesting and <laughs> try to chop these carrots in a new way. I mean, I feel like maybe this is just... <sighs> A signal from the universe to not do anything out of my normal routine ever. But I was using a box grater to, like, grate these carrots up. And there's the side of it where you can, like, shave these, like, wavy, wiggly little discs of carrot. And I thought it would be cool and do that because, like, that'd be fun to, like, scatter around. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going and I start grating the carrot. Uh, three strokes in, I grate my goddamn knuckle. <laughs> so that um, brought an abrupt end to that um, little voyeur. So now I'm dealing with that. It was yuck. <laughs> that makes me feel yuck inside. It also made me feel yuck inside and outside and all over. I hated it. Uh, well, <laughs> literally nothing has ever happened to me in the past week. Uh, so. I haven't done garbage. But I did want to give an update to last week's episode we talked about venomous versus poisonous, and we kind of like just threw out arbitrarily that like maybe there was a snake that was poisonous. Yeah. Uh, and there totally is. There's just one yes. genus, Rhabdophis. Don't know. Don't care. But they're also generally <laughs> called the keelback snake, and they're cool. Cool, cool. found primarily in Southeast Asia. So I guess still like just don't go eating snakes, but like especially if you're in Southeast Asia because these are poisonous. Yeah, maybe don't maybe don't touch any snake that you see. Yeah, and they get it because they're they're eating poison frogs and or toads. My my bad, and uh, they're getting it that way. So it's mm. from what it's from like their diet. Um, and I guess there was like discussion on whether garter snakes do that too, which would then be the U.S. So just don't eat just don't eat snakes, and then you, you <laughs> yeah. chill. I think that's good advice, just overall. Right. Um. So to get to just some like podcast news. I'm have done. A, I've been a busy bee. You I was, have. I was off You've work. Been a busy little bee. And I just like snuggled in a blanket and like got my laptop and was just like clack 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 clack. Yeah. So we have like <laughs> hatch the internet. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> I'm inside. Uh, <laughs> we got a new podcast host, so we're not on SoundCloud anymore. Um, we're yeah. on Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> That's just a great name. It's absurd. So we're keeperchat.podbean.com. It's our website. So all of our uh, episodes are going to be on that. But mm-hmm. we also are like have our applications into all of those like ridiculous apps you have on your phone. So the first one that got back to us is Stitcher. So if you use Stitcher at all, um, you can listen to us now on your phone. Um, and you can rate and review us on there as well, which is super helpful. So we already have one rating uh it said we're mean to aardvarks so it's definitely not wrong 
Uh, but yeah, yeah. that's that's accurate. <laughs> but if you're interested in Stitcher, you can download it. It's a free app. Uh, it's one of those things where you just like stream podcasts, and yeah, it's a good it's a good time. So we've got that going on. Um, and you just can Google like Stitcher Keeper Chat, and we pop up immediately. We also made a Twitter because Stitcher wanted us to. So now there's that, and that's at Keeper underscore. Oh my gosh, I can't ever talk. Uh. Keeper underscore chat. So which is the same as our Instagram. So we're literally just all over the place. So we have the Instagram. We're still uploading pictures to that. So now we have Twitter. You can yell at us there. And you can also yell at us in our Gmail, which is keeperchat at gmail.com. So there's so many ways to get or not get in touch with us. (laughs) Exactly. You have many options as far as speaking or never speaking to us. Yes. Also, can I just say, we got that domain on lock. Yeah. I know. That was my one thing is like, I am branding us. Like, I can't sit on this because someone's going to come in and be like, you know what? My name's Keeper Chat. Like, da 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 da. <laughs> and I don't know. It would be about something totally weird and not about what we're about. So, pretty much. Like, their first name is Keeper, middle name Chat. <laughs> yes. Dawson. Be like, Stupid. ew, oh, get lost. <laughs> get lost. So, yeah, we're taking over the whole world one social media website at a time. Probably not Facebook, though, because they're going to steal our bones. I don't know. I don't know what Facebook's doing, but we probably just... No, that's what it was. I saw it at the news. Yeah. They're just collecting bones. That's what I... Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, That shit ain't cool. Where do (laughs) the bones be? They're bad, bad boys. I need them bones. I think that's all. Oh, I was just going to say thanks to all of my friends who I've sent this to. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I have friends. I have like an addictive personality. And when I like find one thing or eat one thing and I love it, I just like, that's all I do. And I'm just like about that life. And right now I'm about this podcast life. So yeah. my friends are being really nice and really supportive. And I sent a picture to Wesley and he was awesome about editing it because I don't know how anything works. So. Thank you for that. Uh, another quick note before we get into your animal of the week. Yes. I know that the two of us tend to just like shit and rag on everything we speak about. Yes. However, that's coming from a place of endearment. So <laughs> I don't want anyone here to think that we just like hate any of these animals that we're discussing. That's or, so true. That's so true. Like don't care about them or like whatever. Like honestly, I love them. They're amazing. I love learning about them. They're my jam. But I'm still going to make fun of them endlessly. Yes. Absolutely. Just just a heads up. (laughs) That's such a good point to make because I feel like we rag on, like all keepers, like rag on their animals and give them a hard time, but it's because we're obsessed with them. Exactly. Like, you don't want to hear the alternative. Yes. Okay, so I feel like we can get into it. I was so torn on, like, what to pick. I literally... Went back and forth and back and forth. I was like Googling animals that start with the third letter of the internet and like nothing came up. So I work with a lot of animals that start with C, which is bizarre, but I do. But then I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do something crazy. And then I did this crazy animal and I did all this research and then I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So I finally picked an animal and Uh Fauna, I feel like you probably saw this coming because Uh I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about an animal that we both have worked with. Uh-oh. And who we have, like, crazy anecdotes and just, like, Uh-oh. facts about. <laughs> so, it's cheetah time, my dudes. <laughs> it's I'm cheetah so time. I'm so excited. I know you cheetah are. Cheetah o'clock. Yes. 
So both Bonnie and I have worked with Cheetah, so we're going to like talk about some facts, but we're probably going to have a lot of stuff to say because we both have mad thoughts about the Cheetah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cheetahs are super cool, but they're also super dumb. They're the dumbest. Okay. And I love them. Yes, I love them to bits. So Asinonyx jubitus. Sure. Yes. That's fun. Scientific name. So these guys are animals. They're chordates. They're mammals. They're carnivores. I think this is our first like- Straight up carnivore, right? I, I don't know. I think so. Uh, Felidae. First Felidae. That's what's up. First of many, I'd like to say. Yeah. So Felidae is all the cats, but here's where it gets wonky. Their genus is the Cenonyx. It's not Panthera. So Panthera oh. has all those big boy cats. It's got the lions and the tigers and the leopards and jaguars. But these guys are not the big boy cats. They're these little little dinky slender Slenderman cats. So that's yeah. that's what we're working with. So, the cheetah, where are they found? They're found in Africa, southern, north, and east Africa. Most of Africa. Yeah, they're just chilling there, and they're doing their thing. They mostly hang out where their prey is, which is like, duh. Like, we center our whole lives around their fridge, and they center it around gazelles and things. Totally, Um, dude. If I lived more than two miles from a grocery store, I'd starve to death. I'd be dead. I'd be dead right now. So first bummer, uh, they already only live in 10% of their historic range. Just going to throw mm. that out. Beans. Mm. Uh, but let's get into like the cheetah body. Okay. Because yes. it's, oh, it's different God. and it's weird and we love it. It's uh, so weird. It's slender, right? They've got, it's so slender. Yeah. They don't have lo- any love handles at all. No. This is important. And everyone, listen. Open up your ears. Cheetahs have freaking spots okay they're spotted like a dalmatian they don't have rosettes like a leopard it's not like a circle Mm. within a circle it's a spot a single spot Mm -hmm. and if i see cheetah print one more time that's a fucking leopard i'm gonna (laughs) burn down macy's like come on it's not that hard okay so spots get that it's true it's true it's it's actually the easier of the two yes like think about right you're not having to you're just you're just doing a dot you're just doing a dot Gah. Okay, so they're dotted. They have about 2,000. Sure. Someone counted. Oh. Oh, some nerd. Uh, and they totally go all the way down to the skin, right? So if you shave a cheetah, which is like, who hasn't? Uh, <laughs> right you'll see you. that the spots are on their skin, too. Cool. All of the spots are unique. So that is a unique pattern that they have. They also have, of course, the tear marks on their eyes. People probably are mm-hmm. familiar with those. Those also can be kind of different, like, widths and things. So you can kind of look at their face and tell their faces apart. They're anywhere from 46 to 159 pounds, and they're about 35 inches at the shoulder. Uh, and their tail is kind of unique because it does have spots, but then the spots get big, 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 and they are end in rings. So the end of the tail ends in, like, five or six rings, which is kind of weird. That's A little stunning. different. Yeah. Behaviorally, these guys wait, are- Wait, hold on. Sorry. Uh, I wanted to go back really quick to talking about their bodies. Oh. Their bodies are insane. Yeah, I kind of didn't talk about their feet at all. Which I have oh, written down and then just okay. skipped it. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say really quick that in both Flora and my experience working with cheetahs, one of the biggest comments, or like I guess the most numerous comment that we would get from guests that came to visit them is, why are those cheetahs so skinny? Like, why do they look emaciated? Yeah. And hey folks, I'm here to tell you, all cheetahs' bodies are built like that it's ridiculous they're literally like the thickness of a butter knife turned on its side yes like if you blink you're gonna miss it you can thread them so thin through a needle like easy exactly 
They're just, that's just how they're built. If you see a cheetah where their stomach is noticeable, that cheetah is strictly overweight. Obese. Morbid. Everybody yes. hates him. He's fat and ugly. It's they have to wild. be, they're aerodynamic, my dudes. They have to be yes. skinny. Yeah, exactly. Like, that thinness isn't just because we think that that's what's right. It serves an important purpose. Their body is built to carry that frame. Yes. So if it's bigger than that frame, they can't do what cheetahs do. They are built of four speed. So I also didn't mention their feet. They got different feet than other Mm -hmm. cats that you may be used to. So, like, your little kitty cat at home has retractable claws. Like, they can just, like, smack you with their little pad. Or, like, when they're mad, they can, like, claws out, claw you in the face. And uh, big cats have that, too. So tigers and all that jazz. Cheetahs don't. They have semi-retractable claws. They cannot fully retract their entire claw. So they more have, like, a dog foot, whereas, like, you know, you always (laughs) see, like, a dog nail. So these are their cleats that they use when they're running, and those nails give them a bit of traction. So that's... A a true chimera. Yeah. They're a cat of a different spot. (laughs) A cat who might be a dog. Who knows? Cat that... Acts like a dog, looks like a dog, and might be a dang old dog. (laughs) Jury's out? We don't know. (laughs) Next week we'll find out, is it a dog? So I guess I'll just continue talking about their bods. Because their bods are 100% built for speed and nothing else. Yes. No, literally, when Flora says that, she's absolutely right. 100% right. (laughs) The only thing they're able to do is what they do really well, which is run hella fast. Yeah. But that's it. Anything else, and it's, like, out of the realm of possibility. Can they solve a puzzle? Can they think critically? No. Can they see something that's not moving very fast? No. Like a damn (laughs) T-Rex. Can they not cook their brain when they run? No. So these guys are stupid fast. And by stupid fast, I mean the fastest land animal. So, like, that's dumb. Average of 40 miles per hour, but can be anywhere from 65 to 75. But uh, obviously, they can't keep up those speeds. But the thing that makes them just, like, murder everyone is their acceleration. So, yeah, like, gazelle are faster, whatever. But these guys are going to get to 47 miles an hour in two seconds. So, like, they can just ridiculous beat you out the gate. They, they're going to they're gonna get you. Yeah, right? Oh, sleeping. Just, just. Hanging out, thinking about some poem I read earlier. Oh, just kidding. I'm running 50 miles an hour. Yeah, bye. You didn't even see me go. Yeah, so their bods on the inside, as well as the outside, is made for running. So they have enlarged nasal passages, so they get sufficient air when they're running 1,000 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, their heart and lungs are enlarged as well to allow um, blood to be enriched with oxygen properly. Um, they're... Like, resting respiratory rate is, like, 60 breaths a minute. Uh, oh, when my they're, God. When they're freaking running, it goes to 150 breaths a minute. Oh, my God. Which just seems like a lot, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot. It is. I mean, how many do we do? Like, 10? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't 10? Know. Yeah, that's what I do. I don't know. There's literally no way I would know that. Yeah, when nobody knows. I work with goddamn animals, not humans. Yeah, humans are the worst. We don't know anything about I them. I don't know anything about them. So, yeah. Nor will I ever. You can't make me. <laughs> so their claws are the traction, like I mentioned, and that tail, that cool tail, is their rudder. So they can turn on a dime, because gazelle can turn on a dime, and they don't want to be out uh, show- shown up, I guess. Um, and then, this is, like, crazy cool, 
during more than half of the time that they're sprinting, all four limbs are in the air. So, like, half the time that they're running, they're hovering. <laughs> <laughs> they're hovering in a forward way at yes. a really fast speed. Yes! That's ridiculous. All their legs. They don't have any feet on the ground. They're just flying through the air, coming at your face. It's ridiculous. Uh, so they're diurnal. So they're doing all this running during the day. They don't have, yes. like, excellent vision at night. Um, all of their vision is based on, like, movement. So really what we were talking about earlier, like, if it's not moving, they kind of don't see it. I mean, yeah. they see it, but they're not, like, their brain's not, like, ding, 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 which is what it does when stuff starts flying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the only cat, other than the lion, who is gregarious, which is kind of interesting. I never really thought about it that way, but now that I read it, it makes sense. So they're the only other cat other than the lion that, like, hang out together. So the females are mostly solitary. You're not really going to see them chilling. But what's really interesting is that male cheetahs can form a coalition, is what it's called, and it's just like a group of males. So That's so cool. It can be like brothers that just want to hunt together, or it can be like solitary males who find a pair of brothers and hook up with them. And you might think like, that's stupid because now they have to compete. But because there's more of them, they have a greater chance of catching prey and finding females. So yeah, it's better odds for them to just like hang out together. And I remember reading like a crazy long time ago, there was like this murder coalition where they found yes. the male cheetahs were drowning their prey. They would all three, like, stand on their prey and, like, drown them. It was insane. That's incredibly advanced yeah. for a cheetah, too. Right. Like, that's, that's pretty I think they I think they found out, like, it was never reproduced, so it was just, like, dumb luck. They probably, like, it stopped moving in the water and they lost it and then they were standing on it. <laughs> yeah, true. Some researchers like, wow, it's amazing. And they're like, whoopsie-daisy. <laughs> whoopsie, where'd my phone go? Talk about that boy squad, though. Boy squad! Yeah. <laughs> How dope is that? It's so cool. Scary for a girl, though. Like, come to the wrong yeah. side of town, and it's like, hey, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> 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 I don't want to be there. Uh, yeah, so speaking much. of male-female relations, they have cubs. Females can cycle every 12 days. So every what? 12 days, they're like, let's get ready to rumble. I'm sorry, Lady Cheetah. Yeah. I mean... They, and they don't do any, like, uh, there's no, like, mating ritual. It's just, like, I'm here, you're here, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I also saw a note that in every, okay, the mean amount of sperm in a single ejaculate is 25.3 million. Which, like, sounds like a lot to me, but I did Google how many humans have, and it's, like, 100 million or something. So, they're they're not great. It could that be better. weird. I know. But that's just, I mean, what? It's just, like, a lot. So females could have like I mean, hold on. Oh yeah. You Go know, back to the sperm. You... I can't just throw that out and then leave it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need I need a moment. I get it. I get like, you know, hedging your bets, but like you only need one. Right. So that's like a big waste. But I will when we uh talk later at the end uh about the issues, the, we'll get into their ejaculation because they do have some ejaculate issues. Oh, They've got perfect. some yeah. uh uh what's it called when you can't like do it. Uh, Erectile dysfunction. <laughs> oh. That too. I call it a real big bummer. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, so cubbies, they have three to five on average. They can have more or less, but that's average. Uh, mm-hmm. Gestation's only three months, so they can like crank out those bad boys. And the cubs are so cute. <laughs> they are really cute. <laughs> like so Little cute. babies. Little they have baby stupid face. cute faces. Yeah. And they also have this stupid cute like 
hair on their head and neck and back. And it's called a mantle. It's like really, really long hair for longer than the rest of their body. And it gives the cubs the appearance of a honey badger from kind of far away. Uh, and that helps protect them because nobody messes with honey badgers, but they sure as shit eat baby cheetahs. Yeah, they're little doofuses. They're so cute and they're so mean. And they're just, they just, you just look at their face and they sort of look at you and like are almost like cross-eyed and how doofy they are. Yes, they have the derpiest face. They're really derpy. So, um, diet-wise, these guys, uh, oh yeah, I was going to talk about a million things. I have a lot of notes on cheetahs, and it, I mean, it helped that we worked with them, so I, like, some of this I just knew in my brain hole. But, um, so they eat, like, medium-sized prey. They're not going to go anything after anything, like, crazy big. So gazelle, yeah. springbok, and paula, uh, they're not using any scent at all. They usually stalk to within, like, 330 to 980 feet. So there's, like, a range wow. that they know that they're good at they're not going to do it from Mm -hmm. too far away because that speed that they have is really limited so most chases last no more than a minute Mm -hmm. um their success rate is between 40 and 50 percent so like pretty bad i'd say yeah like for the amount of energy that you're expending and being like like you ran to the papa john's and like half the time there's no pizza there yeah but also you ran to where you almost died. Like you, were, you had a foot in the grave, and then you yes. arrive, and you're like, oh, darn it. I, I'm out of pizza. Uh, where am I going to get my dinner? But the way that they kill prey is pretty cool, because they're not just chasing them down. They're chasing them, and then they trip them, which is, like, such a dick move. It's but so mean. They have those, like, cleats, right? But their dew claw, which is that other claw that's, like, a little bit higher up, is, like, this gnarly, sharp thing. And they just, like, pow, like, slap you with it, like a freaking velociraptor, like, nail. Just, like, eh. And trip them, and then they just, like, grab them by the neck and squeeze them to death. Uh, constrictor style. Yes. Uh, can we talk about how crazy dude claws are? They're ridiculous. I swear to God. I've Every time I see a dude claw, I just look at it, and I'm like, what is that? I want like, one. Like, it just, it's on the side of a hand. It has no business being there. No. It's crazy curvy. Yes. And it's always sharp. Absolutely. Like, needle sharp. It is. It's just like a scythe on the side of their wrist. Can it's you like imagine if we had one of a those? A hidden blade. Pew! Exactly. Like, oh, oh, you thought I was done. I'm going to stick you with my wrist blade. Check this out. What? Bing! Bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Cheetahs are not great at, like, fighting or mm. defending anything. Because you have to imagine when your whole life revolves around running – if you get hurt at all, you're fucking donezo. Like, just stick a fork in you. Like, you chipped a nail, you, like, sprained your ankle. Bye. So they yeah. pretty much, if anything comes over after they've, like, taken a kill, uh, they're going to have to let it go. Because also, they can't immediately eat. They have to, like, chill for, like, 50 minutes or something to, like, regain composure from, like, sprinting mm-hmm. before they can even start eating. So they do lose about 10 to 15% of their kills to predators who are coming by, like lions, hyenas, and anything else. Because mm-hmm. um, they just, like, literally cannot afford to try to defend themselves at all. I get it. Sometimes you're just sleepy. Yeah. Sometimes you're just a big, fat baby. That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes you had a long day and you're... 75% through your burrito, and your cat comes and eats the rest, and you're like, I just... Well, there I, it I is. deserved it. Yeah. Enjoy. So, uh, before I get into, like, how shitty it sucks to be a cheetah because they die so much, I do want to talk about one, like, really dope thing about them, which is their vocalization. Mm. Yes, please do. I love this. Which, 
Fauna and I know a lot about because we have been screamed and yelled at by Cheetos plenty. So these guys are the like I, like I said, they're not in the Philidae. So or I'm sorry, they are. I'm lying to you. They're not, not in, in the Panthera. Panthera. Yes. Uh, so they're like a smaller cat. So they're unable to roar. Like you hear lions roaring and tigers roaring yeah. and all this stuff roaring. Cheetahs don't do that. They actually have like a vocal fold that's in their larynx that prevents them. They physically cannot roar. Mm-hmm. But they do like so many other better vocalizations. Uh, I'll read you like what we call them and it'll give you like an idea. Uh, we've got a chirp. That's great. They mm-hmm. purr. Hello. They purr. They can growl, Mm -hmm. they spit, Mm -hmm. and they yowl. (laughs) So they're just like a big, mean house cat. Yes. They do purr when they're content, or they'll do it like as a greeting if they see like like their baby or something, they'll purr. So that's kind of interesting. I'm sure a lot of people just think all things purr, but they don't. You can either roar or you can purr. So you cannot do both. So lions, Mm -hmm. jaguars, tigers, leopards, none of those boys can purr. So they're like left out. But like mm-hmm. the cougar can purr, cougar mountain lion, whatever you want to call it, and the cheetahs can purr. That's so cool. I have like a ton of videos on my phone of actual cheetah noises that I recorded, so I feel like I can use them without getting arrested. So I'll probably like right here, like bam. Mm-hmm. It'll just be like a cheetah noise, like bam. Mm-hmm. Like a ew. And then like Ooh. a purr. And then like a And I'll just put that all that in. Yeah. Oh, wait. Do another one right here. No. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so good. I just did that one in real life. <laughs> I liked it. Couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, but they do these like high pitched chirps. It's amazing. They're adorable. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit too about like what some of the other vocalizations are used for? Like a growl's pretty obvious, right? But you talked about purr. Yes. And like how that was like a content or like a greeting. But like why would yeah. they chirp? Yeah. So they chirp as well to each other. They do it to their babes, and I don't know. I feel like there's another reason that I can't remember. Isn't it sort of like a – sometimes it's like a sentry thing? Like it's, yeah. it's sort of um, yes. like letting others know what's going on? Yes, because they do – like because their vision's like pretty garbage town, they do want to spend most of their time like up high – so, the, yeah, they'll be looking out. I feel like there's something else that we learned when we were Yes, there, like. I know. I was just waiting to see if you remembered it. It has to do with... I can't. My brain's... With, like, a- with some boys and girls coming together. Yeah, do they chirp to each other? Uh, Sort of. It's called a stutter bark. Oh! There you, you have it. Yeah. You pulled that out of and nowhere. It's like, wild sound. I'm not even going to try to do it. Maybe you want to. Nope, but they, I don't even have that on. It's like the film. the males will like make this sound when they're looking to breed, right? Is that what yeah. it is? And so it's just like this crazy like. <laughs> yes, their noises are bizarre. They're nuts. It's like aliens. Good. Thanks. Yeah, they also like growl and spit and yowl. They can't fight, so they do a lot of like grandstanding. Sure. And they do a lot of like. Look at how big and bad I am before they like run away. Sure. So where Fauna and I worked, we actually were working with them free contact, which is what keepers refer to a situation when you have when you and the animal have full access to each right. other. Right. Yeah. There's like no protective barrier. Yes. There's nothing there. There is also semi-protected contact, which would be like you have like a half fence between you and like a llama or something, mm-hmm. or like between you and a pig, and then or like. 
the animals in the water, like a whale or something, mm-hmm. and you were on the beach. And then protected contact means like zero contact at all. There's always a physical large barrier between you and the animal. So if you're working with like a tiger or a great ape, mm-hmm. you're most likely working, especially if you're in an association of zoo and aquarium, AZA accredited institution there is a full barrier between you and that animal. But since cheetahs, like I was saying, are small cats and they're big old dumb babies, uh, you can work free contact with them. So we worked with them in that situation. So you pretty much just carry like a rake with you, like a big, broad, uh, like a leaf rake. Mm-hmm. And what a cheetah does if it's like trying to act tough is it'll come over and run at you and then spit and slam both front feet on the ground in front of you. Like, look at how big I am. I can make a big stompy big kitty noise. Yeah, and like splash and then, mud on you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then you, in response, just like slam your rake on the ground. Like, look at my foot. It's the size of your body. Go away. <laughs> I got a big and old And then they're foot. like, <laughs> and then they're like, you got me. And they leave, literally. Yeah, That's like the end of it. That big foot was the end of them. Yeah. So, yeah, they do a lot of, like, spitting and just, like, dramatics, but there's just, like, chicken shit. Yeah, I do want to um, talk a bit more about those differentiations like you did, Flora. I think there's a lot of misconceptions as well. And maybe that's something that, like, as we're doing these episodes and we talk about these different animals, maybe that'd be helpful to include our, like, different misconceptions we come across a lot when we're talking to some of our guests. But... The different ways of contact is a big one. And I think a lot of people just assume that because an animal lives in a zoological setting means that it is domesticated. But that's not the case. And I think there's no. there's also a lot of confusion as far as uh, the difference between the terms domesticated and a docile personality. Not, yes. not all animals in zoos even have a docile personality. They still have no. all of those wild instincts. They still have all of those so wild many, attributes. Yeah. So many animals who would just straight murder me. But then I also work with so many animals that hate me so much that they would, like, not murder me. They would just, like, mutilate me slowly till I bled out. Yeah. and And I think it's important to distinguish that because... We always have a good reason for working animals the way that we do. So like Flora said, if you're working with an incredibly dangerous animal, like a big cat, uh, a a great ape, you know, uh, large hoofstock animals, a lot of times you will have a fully protective barrier there, whether that be like a physical like mesh barrier or gate of some kind, or whether that's a distance barrier, like a moat. And that's you know, that's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of there for obvious reasons. Like it's there for your safety, mm-hmm. but it's also there for theirs. And that's the case for all of these animals. The barriers are in place, not just for those of us working for, with them, but for them as well. You know, there's a lot that yeah. goes into determining how to work with an animal. And if it's determined that working that animal in a free contact environment or even a semi-contact environment is going to be incredibly stressful to them, then the decision will be made not to do so. So it's always in their best interest. And, you know, us working cheetahs in a free contact scenario didn't mean that we were just in there hanging out, rolling around, playing with them. It meant that, like Flora said, we had a protective tool in hand. We were trained to use it properly. And we didn't just hang out in there just to hang out. Like, it was always a matter of, like, feeding, cleaning, like, shifting appropriate ways and, like, helping move cheetahs to where they needed to be. Yes. And you're always... 
aware of where the cheetah is and you're never cornering an animal and you're reading body language the whole time you're not like right. complacent um because when accidents happen with zookeepers and animals it's never the animal's fault animals are going to act like animals and we know that exactly um, it's when we do something wrong or misjudge a situation where we can get injured um and we have of course there's some animals where we have awesome keeper animal relationships um and you can build those and do that but we're still not trying to like domesticate or like habituate these animals they're still wild animals when i say like an animal hates my guts it doesn't mean like specifically me it means i'm working with a wild carnivore that likes eating things and specifically me yeah no that's a great that's its nature exactly and like like flora said we part of a big part of our job is ensuring that we understand how an animal react in how an animal will react in just about any scenario. Like, we have to be able to predict that. So by learning about them, learning about their behavior, learning about their individual personalities, and spending time with them, we come to be able to, to a certain degree, be able to anticipate a lot of what they might do in different scenarios. So, mm-hmm. again, they're going to do whatever they want to do, and it is our job to fall in line with that. So a lot of that includes, like, you know, maybe they don't want to shift to a certain area of like their you know their facility at some point and that's fine we work around that maybe they don't want to eat whatever we offer for dinner and that's fine yeah. we work around that you know maybe they aren't interested in participating in a husbandry training session that's fine we work with that you know we're always there to have uh plan b c d e all the way down to z after yes. that plan a fails so because it always fails. it will always inevitably fail, but yeah, we you know we have a lot of a lot of uh, safety protocols in place, and like one that we particularly use with cheetahs, like Flora said already, was proper use of tools and protection. Yeah. you know, not be complacent, always have eyes on them, never back them into a corner, only work in a free contact aspect if you absolutely have to, and we always had extra keepers there for like extra visuals support yes um guidance things like that so it was there was um there's always a reason that you see a keeper doing something the way that they're doing especially in aza accredited zoos and in some of the other accredited zoos as well there are a lot of guidelines in place to ensure that not only are the staff remaining safe and keeping up those safety protocols and requirements but they're also doing so in the best interest of the welfare of the animals they take care of yeah and not to get like too into like the nitty-gritty but I cannot kill a cheetah with a rake, and I don't think a human can kill an elephant with a bullhook. <laughs> so right. just because we are using tools of the trade does not mean we're beating animals with it. If you're seeing us with something, like she was saying, it's a tool that we're using. We're not ever – we never – no zookeeper got into the business to want to hurt animals. That is, like, the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Exactly. And when people, like, go off on the internet, I want to scream. But it's – like, what do you think that we're, like, we all literally are psychopaths that, like, got degrees in biology and then took did years of experience to get where we were only to, like, hurt things? Like, that is insane. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you. Go ahead. No, I just hadn't. I really had nothing else. To oh, say. no. I was just going to say, like, <laughs> if you think about it, too, like Flora said, those items aren't going to kill an animal. Not that that's our goal by any means. But if you think about it, too, those items in no way protect us if something goes wrong. So Absolutely not. So we enter into that situation <laughs> understanding that if this cheetah decides that they don't want me in this situ- in their space with them, 
it is my job to be able to read those signs and leave before that before something bad yeah. happens. Yeah, because animals, they really do show, like, their flight or fight response, mm-hmm. and you can, there's, like, a level of flight. You know when you're, like, pushing it, and you can start reading mm-hmm. animals and know, like, okay, if I'm six feet away, it's fine, but if I'm four, they're going to do something, and if it means going through me to get away, then they're going to do it. So yep. that's something, and that's a species by species, and that's individual by individual, yes, too. Yes, exactly. So. so even, I know, for instance, like, we worked with a lot of cheetahs at the place where we were at, and so most of those guys, we worked in a controlled, free contact setting, like she described. However, there were those individuals that we didn't at all. Because it was determined that they didn't do well with it. It was too stressful for them, and it put them in that sort of um, stress-induced response. And so because we're uh, aiming to provide for their welfare, the decision was made that that is not a good choice for them, so we would work them in either a semi-protected or full-protected contact scenario, which was great because we were able to do what we needed to do with them, and we were able to make modifications for them uh, the individual specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So now let me get into just like bad news bears. Oh, yeah. What's the conservation situation here? So like they already have a hard time just living. <laughs> Those uh, poor babies. Seventy-seven <laughs> percent of litters of cheetah cubs die by eight weeks. This Ooh. is like a single study. So like not all of them ever, but this is like the study. Uh, and then 83% of those didn't make it to 14. So, like, just they all just died. Odds are not in their favor. And then lions accounted for 78% of those cub deaths. Ooh, cat on cat crime. Yes. And just, like, bully. Like, you're bigger, you douche. Golly. I'm just mad because I can't purr. So the overall, they are, they're bitter. <laughs> the overall survival rate of cubs is 4.8%. That's not good. That's bad. That's very bad. <laughs> ah! So one thing is that, like I said, they have like three to five. So if a cheetah mommy has one baby, she just walks away mm. slash eats it mm-hmm. because that it's not going to live. Your odds suck. Like they know when to fold them and one is it. So um, they'll abandon a single cub. Uh, which I can go into maybe just, like, That's later. That's so interesting, though, because you would think, like, as far as parental investment goes, that if they just had one, the odds are better that that mother focus would be on- able to, yeah, focus on it and protect it. But I guess, like, genetically speaking, and... And the fact that lions are watching <laughs> Yeah, Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine you're just, like, at the, like, grocery store. And you look over and, like, someone's just, like, hungrily eyeing your child and you only have one. You're like, all right, see ya. Yeah. But if you have three, like you you're s- like, back off, bitch. Right. Yeah. Or you can at least, like, lead one away and, like, <laughs> yeah, right. use the other one as, like, bait. <laughs> totally. Leave that kid in the in the cinnamon roll aisle. And you're like, all right, That's- honey, I'm going to be in yogurt. And you actually go to chips. <laughs> yeah. Ya. See, that's why I shouldn't have kids, because that's what I would do. Uh, Uh, Hold on. You know know your child would be able to find you in the cereal aisle. (laughs) I love cereal. (laughs) (laughs) So, IUCN red list status, these homies are vulnerable. Ooh, not so good. Not so good, and there is a dude fighting for endangered. He doesn't think they're vulnerable anymore. He thinks they're endangered. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into this one. And this is just like the pits. And this goes back to sperm count. They're really, they're really genetically similar to each other. Like all of them. Uh, 
there was some inbreeding that went down like a long time ago during this like ice age. Their populations went into a bottleneck and were like spiraling down and then they all just had mad sex until they came back. But now they're all semi-related. Can you, so, uh, that, really quick, can you explain bottleneck a little bit in case no one's ever heard of that part? Uh, sure, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so if you turned a bottle upside down. There it is. That's all you need. Continue. <laughs> That's what Cheetah did. It There was a, a couple of them and then it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then it was like a little like tornado. Pew, 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 pew. And then it gets faster and faster and they're all dying. And then they all started having sex and then it got bigger and it flipped upside down. But everybody's mommy was their daddy and also their brother and their lover. So um, that's cool. That's they, that was the only explanation I wanted. That's it. That was great. I, it was perfect. I, I did the best I could. I have no notes. Uh, <laughs> it's honestly, I just read from dictionary.com. That's Whoa! what it says. They're yeah. branching out. These I days. wasn't. I wasn't going to like admit that, that that like I had to read it, but I did. So that's exactly what it said. Not spawn. So, a lot of stuff happens when you're inbred. They have a really low sperm count. Mm. They have decreased sperm mobility. Mm. Uh, their poor sperm have deformed flagella. So, that little, like, eh, little tail of a sperm is, like, <laughs> crooked. Like, it doesn't oh, even do it. No. Uh, and they're super susceptible to disease because they're all the same. So, if, like, one single strain of, like, the flu comes out, it's like, well, the whole family's sick, and that's all of us. So their numbers are still on the decline, and as of 2016, they think there's, like, 7,000 of them, like, 7,100. So this one guy who's, like, doing population numbers is like, hey, IUCN, like, hello, change it. Um, Because one thing about IUCN is that they're, like, they can't count every animal every single month. Like, they, it takes a while, so... um, we might be seeing that soon, which sucks bad. But mm-hmm. uh, So habitat loss is killing everything always. Of course, agricultural expansion. But they suck at, like, living with humans. Um, because human interference actually, like, messes up their vibes. Mm-hmm. And they don't do very well. And then even though they're not really, like, they did studies, and they're not even really eating people's, like, farm animals. The farmers are like, Buck cheetahs, and they just murder them like at every chance they get. So yeah, that's um, not cool. they're not they're not doing great. So the IUCN recommended that there needs to be cooperation between the countries to just basically minimize the conflict between the cheetah and the mm-hmm. human because that is like one of the biggest factors. So they recommended actually ecotourism, which is like kind of confusing when you think that like hey human intervention actually messes up cheetahs but also bring more people, but that helps, like, create – or it makes the cheetah valuable to the natives, the locals. Not natives. That makes them sound crazy. Um, <laughs> the local people. And so that makes them not want to shoot them in the face sure. when they see them. So that does help. There's a lot of stuff, like, conservation-wise that's, like, going on, um, which is kind of helpful. But, I mean, it's not really working. So there's the range-wide conservation program for cheetah and African wild dogs, which was actually started by people um, who worked at the Zoological Society of London. So, like, what up, zoos? You're doing you're doing it. Heck yeah! Way uh, to go! They were studying, like, illegal hunting and poaching, and then they also were reviewing, like, conservation policies and how things could change. They also, uh, I think it was this past year, AZA, who I've said a thousand times, uh, they had their SAFE program rollout. Right. Well, that was a couple years ago. And it was SAVE Animals from, from Extinction. It's an acronym. 
And um, they're focusing on different species every year or every couple of years. And cheetah was one of the first ones they had. So um, it's basically how it's all the zoos working together to like save individual species at a time instead of all of us doing our own thing. So we're kind of leveraging our whole audience, like getting everybody and like telling everybody about the cheetah. We're directing our spending, all of our conservation dollars for the cheetah. Um, and then we're also developing a conservation action plan, which they've called a cap. So that's still in progress. I don't think it's ended yet. No, I think um, it's still going. Yeah, so that's happening. There's also something that uh, we are very familiar with is the Cheetah Conservation Fund um, in Africa. So that was created by this insane and amazing woman in 1990. And the Cheetah Conservation Fund is in Africa. They do research. They do rehabilitation. They do education. They do conservation. They do all of it. And they're doing it in Africa. So they have like a leg up on the zoos because they're like in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And I have seen Laurie Marker speak. She's an amazing woman, but I think there's one thing about people who love animals is that we are fucking insane. She is insane. Mm -hmm. I just can't even describe how crazy no, she is, but she's crazy. Yeah, she is, and that's not saying that's a bad thing. Like, no, like Flora said, like we're all insane. Every single person that works with animals is like to some degree insane. So, yes, saying she's insane means she's in good company. Yes, like she's dedicated her life to this mm -hmm. single goal and she's poured her heart and soul into it and has done amazing things. Yeah, that's so cool. And normal people like don't do that. So she's awesome. She kicks ass. So zoos, they were doing some things, but raising cheetahs in captivity is pretty difficult. They have like some special needs. And of course, we already were like a million years ago grabbing them from the wild, which already had like poor genetics. So our genetics are pretty wonk too. But um, yeah, it was like it's like nature butted in at some point. It was just like, hey there, Derek, your grandpappy done messed up. Yeah, I'ma punish everyone. Yeah. So we've got all these all these cheetahs in captivity, but we're tracking their genetics, so no more inbreeding is occurring. So they're getting pretty diverse. Um, but a lot of zoos have them, and a lot of zoos do okay. The, I, okay, I always read Wikipedia. The Wikipedia paragraph about zoos was so shitty. It was like, they do terrible. Everything dies. All of them get diseases. Like, eh. And it was like super aggressive, which is like so not the case. So, yeah, um, someone's got beef. Yeah. So Cincinnati Zoo, and okay, zoos are doing amazing things. I'm just going to talk about zoos for a minute. Uh, the Cincinnati Zoo does awesome stuff. They are breeding cheetahs and are doing an amazing job. Yay! Um, one thing that's really great is that cheetahs do really well as ambassador animals, which we talked about before with the pythons. Mm -hmm. What? The boa constrictors? Whoa. I don't know what animals are. <laughs> well, you um, need to re-listen to episode two. <laughs> I need to learn. There was like a whole um, eight-minute segment on the differences. <laughs> cool. And then, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, I was so, I guess, like, so deep into my margaritas. I literally have worked with boas. I work with rosy boas, like, every month. Okay, whatever. I'm just an idiot. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm drinking water this episode. Yeah. So, I told you um, all that we, we're learning right there along with you. <laughs> yeah. Even learning about myself. <laughs> learning about a lot of things. So, the Cincinnati Zoo has had some cheetahs. Uh, like I said, when they have one cub, they abandon them. So, zoos aren't going to just let that go. Hello. No. So, we grab them up and we hand raise them and we use them as, as use them as ambassador animals because they're pretty habituated. We can train them from a very young age. They're kind of quick learners, sort of, as long as it doesn't require any thinking and you're just explicitly telling them what the, you want them to do. And then usually because they're, like I said, they're gregarious, they're a social species, they pair them with dogs. So you've probably seen like 
pictures of the Cincinnati like dog. It's like a Labrador um, hanging out with cheetahs. But another zoo that kicks super ass is the most successful cheetah breeding in the world. I think at least the like northern hemisphere or something. Since 1972, they've had 214 cheetah cubs. Oh my god, that's amazing! And this is wildlife safari in Winston, Oregon. So they do some kick-ass stuff too. One thing they do, they have a pair, a dog cheetah pair, but it is with an Anatolian shepherd, not a lab, which I think is way doper because Anatolian shepherds is one of the animals that the CCF, the Cheetah Conservation Fund, raises. Um, They actually have litters of Anatolian shepherds and they give them, they gift them to farmers because the Anatolian shepherd is this big, hairy dog and it has this really deep bark and they can protect farm by just barking at the cheetah and the cheetah are like, bah! And just like leave. So um, so they're doing an awesome job just like really without interfering with anything just like here's a dog and that helps protect farmland and gets less cheetah shot so safari wildlife safari has uh that dog and cheetah pair which is kind of cool mm-hmm. they also uh oh lost my notes oh there it is notice one of their like most recent oh and by most recent i mean october 2016 you know whatever they did something that no one had ever done before they cross fostered cheetah cubs that were at different ages and like oh, stages of development that's yeah amazing. so they had they had the single born cub, so they could just hand raise it and do that again. But they were like, no, you know, that it doesn't make them like the best breeders when they've been hand raised and they don't learn all the cheetah stuff because they're like, we're teaching them. So they cross fostered them with a- another um, family. And it actually was his grandmother that they cross fostered him with. And I think he did like kick ass. That's amazing. Holy and her name, crap. let's see, her name was Moonfire. Uh, okay. Which is just a dope name. Dope name. I just have a vision of her, like, standing on a rock with, like, I don't even know, like, a giant wind blowing and, like, the moon cresting and her eyes glowing. Yeah, that's my fan fiction for Moonfire. (laughs) She's just just, standing in a flame. You literally just drew the, like, cover art for my book. Thanks. Sick. Autobiography. Thanks. I feel like there was something else I was going to mention about the zoos, but basically, oh, yeah, like, you know, cheetahs, like, run a lot in the wild, mm-hmm. but they run because they have to. Right. Because if they don't, they die. Like I said, if Papa John's was, like, seven miles away and you had to walk to get there every day and that was your only source of food, like, you gonna do it. But if the Papa John's next door moves in like connect a pizza oven to your fucking bedroom (laughs) like you're not going to go to that one anymore so a lot of people are like "Eh, the cheetah exhibit isn't 75 miles long like they don't run for funsies it sucks it hurts their body and it's a lot of energy and it cooks their brain and their brain gets so hot it like cooks it up and it makes them lose brain cells yeah so they don't do that like for fun so a lot of exhibits you see we're calculating the exact amount of space these animals need to like to thrive and to do well in and it doesn't necessarily mean that they need like millions of miles Mm -hmm. but one thing that zoos do for like especially ambassador cheetahs and i know wildlife safari does it is they do give them ample space to run if they choose and most of the time they don't but uh the um sorry there's a dog next to me the um get that dog away some of the ambassador animals they train and they put them on a uh what's that that fast thing with like the thing on it like a treadmill no, uh, 
They do it for, like, the greyhounds. They put, like, a little scrap of paper or a little, like, rag on a line and then, like, make it go really fast. Oh, like the thing that they run along? Yeah, what is that called? I don't know, thing they run along? Yeah, there's a name for that. Anyway, they do that with Cheetah, and um, they actually did that at Cincy and, like, got, like, one of the top speeds of, like, a Cheetah in captivity was, like, 65 or something. So um, they still got it going on. That's amazing. That's so cool. That's such a, like, great example of zoos not only catering how they design their habitats for animals, but catering how they design their routine for those animals as well. Yeah. That's so cool. Chester Cheetah exists. Oh, he's the Cheetah boy. Yeah. Famous man. And he's kick-ass. His I, flaming Hot Cheetos do me right. I wanted to see. I think he has spots, right? So if you're ever confused, just grab it. Yeah. He's got the good spots. He's a good boy. Have you ever seen in the supermarkets the, like, knockoff Chester Cheetah? And it's, it's just called Chester's? And they're, like, these, like... Oh, no. I don't... You should look it up, because they're just, like, these, like, weird like square cheetos i feel like if you saw it you'd you'd see it oh no that's him chester's that's still him is it or is it just like blatant copyright violation no it's that boy he's got his sunglasses i think i I don't know actually i feel like they just ripped him off and it's like the greatest con Uh, in history seriously that seems illegal or maybe cheetos ripped it off i don't know man i think it's like a snake eating its tail situation i guess we'll never know yeah uh also a picture of a little chicken came up chester's chicken oh (laughs) all right not related there's also and this is before our time we're babies not really i'm 100 years old Uh, (laughs) thundercats i'm 101 did you ever watch thundercats because i sure shit didn't i think i have a memory from childhood no no just that's good i just have the one i don't know if it Uh, well there's a character named chitara oh that sounds right and she's a motherfucking cheetah. She's got spotted hair, which is, like, super cool. And she wears an orange, like, bodysuit. Okay, well, there's my Halloween costume. Yeah. She's a female warrior. She has incredible speed. Good for her. Does she also eat her um, firstborn? I think she's the only female Thundercat. Yeah, she totally eats all the babies. She only ever has one, and they show it. It's very graphic. Also, her quote is, I am a woman. You hold no mystery for I, me. I can't figure out what that means. Oh, she starts dating the tiger one. Hmm. 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 I don't like that. Mm-mm. Hmm. I don't like that at all. Okay. That doesn't <laughs> seem right. Get with it, Thundercats from 1970. Okay, she can also sense danger, uh, which she attributes to her women's intuition, and she has a fondness for useless metal gold. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That's that weird. That seems Are those- sexist yeah, for the only like female the top- Thundercat. The top four t- facts about Chitara is just she. Pretty much. One of them is she has a fondness for useless gold. Oh, I'm sorry. I did miss that she has this a sixth sense, which gives her the ability to see into the past and future. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. So like, like she. So does. she also like rules all space and time. So there's that. I guess it evens out. So that's kind of like my quick facts. We could talk about cheetahs a lot because, like I said, we know a lot. But I thought maybe we could talk about our experience with cheetahs like a little bit more, like get into it. Like we worked with cubs, we worked with ambassador cheetahs. And I think one of the biggest things that surprised me is just that they're dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah, I would agree. That wasn't something I was expecting going into working with cheetahs is, like you said, they are amazing. And I'm not ragging on them in any way, but they're incredibly dumb. (laughs) A lot of zoos, you probably are familiar with, like, the door. It's a guillotine, so it's, like, it lifts up and down, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we use our doors. 
So at the facility we were at, they had guillotine doors is what they're called. And they just open and close and they're in a frame, right? So we had exhibits um, that were chain link and then we had a guillotine door in it. And I literally mm-hmm. remember Mopani and she was in this huge exhibit. So a lot of times you couldn't even see the cheetah when you were like looking for it. We were like slam, 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 slamming the guillotine door, like making it make noise because then they would like their little cheetah brain mm-hmm. would be like mm-hmm. ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding. So she's like taking her time and she was super tiny and adorable. She was a tiny little pocket cheetah. Mm. She's so cute. Well, cupcake. She's like taking her time and she's like, I'm coming. I know what you want me to do. <laughs> and so when she gets close, like we stop slamming it, obviously. We leave it like wide open for her to walk through. And she's like walking towards it. And this is like, I swear, it took like five minutes for her to walk over. She walks over, she walks over. And then there's like the frame of the guillotine door, right? It's like fitting into the chain link. And so there's like probably like an inch to two inch gap. Where the frame is, and she walks and she sticks her nose in that. <laughs> that two inch gap. Like she was trying to go through that. Here I am. I'm trying. I've arrived. I'm trying to go. Like I know that we said that like we can thread them through a needle, but like it was, I meant like a bigger needle. <laughs> like than a bigger that. needle than that. A little bit bigger. It was so dumb. I saw her tiny brain like try to work, and then it was like, error. <laughs> like, nope. I have a similar story with one of the cheetahs we worked with in that they were in the same kind of areas that Flora's talking about where there are these like really big fields. Every night when we would go to feed out their dinner, we were in a somewhat unique <laughs> but fortunate situation uh. in which we could actually feed out like um, like fresh cut meat. Uh, a oh, lot yeah. of facilities oh, that yeah. house carnivores um, actually feed out a processed type of horse meat. Um, so a lot of times it'll be called either like Nebraska or Toronto, just named after the places where those animals are like processed. Uh, horse meat tends to be, just side note, a lot lower in like fat and other issues yeah. that comes with like cow or pig or anything like that. Right. So horse meat is a really good alternative for carnivores that are living in zoological setting. Anyways. Yeah. Super similar to like wild gazelles and antelope. Like exactly. not a fat, ugly dairy cow just like <laughs> chilling in the middle of Africa. It's marbled. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we were throwing out these like steaks for their dinner tonight, these horse steaks. And this one male, I don't even remember his name because I don't know, we worked with like a thousand cheetahs. But we did. <laughs> I just remember myself and the other keeper I was with were sitting there and like he historically had such a hard time when it comes to feeding time, because he would get so excited that he would just, like, start, like, looking everywhere instead of, like, <laughs> focusing on the humans that are holding the dinner. So he would just, like, look at the sky, look at the ground, look at his butt, and we're like, homie, over here, my dude. And so the one keeper got uh, his attention, and then I, like, chucked the steak over the fence toward him, and he saw it. Like, he was watching it, and it probably hit, like, the apex of its height, and he happened to look away. There was, like, a bird or something that flew by. So he looked Gone. away. And so the steak continued on its trajectory, hit the ground. No, it didn't. Maybe like it disappeared. Exactly. Cheetah vision hit the ground. Maybe like nine feet away, and this cheetah just looked around, couldn't find the damn thing. He looked back at us with like a look of like shock and disdain, and he was so mad because we moved on to the next one. Keep in mind, this steak is within like sniff distance. Like if he had used his sniffer for one second, he would have been able to locate it, or used his eyeballs, or his brain, or anything. Hell, if he walked two paces, he would have tripped over it. But the entire time, he was just pissed at us. So he was spitting, yes. he was stomping, he was slapping. And so we were like, homie, it's right here. And we were like throwing things at it, hitting it so that he would hopefully see the movement and go get it. Turns yes. out the next morning when we went to give them their breakfast, 
He was still pissed, and that steak was sitting next to him because he never <laughs> found it the entire goddamn night. His homie just, like, held a grudge for us for a steak that he lost sight of. I was like, <sighs> okay, there's only so much I can do, Holmes. Only and so much. And the fact much. that that, like, happens more than once. They just don't have the thinking. No, it's not there. I bless them. I just... I mean, they don't need it, so you can't fault them for it. Exactly. You don't need to think. It's just like, go, run. You have two seconds to get to 47 miles per hour. Go. <laughs> well, and like talking a little bit more about how like suited animals are for their niche, which we've said like a thousand times at this point, cheetahs are like really well suited. They have the skill. They're able to withstand high heats. They can run super, super fast and catch things, but they're not going to be able to do everything. Every like plus that an animal has, every amazing ability comes with a minus. Like there's always something right. that's going to hold them back so that they're not just dominating the landscape that they live in and have them be the only animal that exists. Right. So, like, they have a pea-sized brain. Yeah. So, like, the gazelles that they're hunting, that they're running along, yeah, they get really, really fast and turn on a dime and stuff, but they don't do so well if they're tripped. (laughs) So, like, you know, there's, like, drawbacks to each side. If you get a dewclaw to the shin, you do real bad. (laughs) No doubt, dude. Man, oh, man. There's also some, like, king cheetah business i don't know if we want to talk about that why don't we save that for our instagram oh yeah I'll, i will upload a picture of the king cheetah yeah get ready put on your a, goddamn uh, pants y'all yeah remember when i said they're spotted and i lied because this <laughs> one's not but yeah it's just a coat variation that's super rare and yeah just goes to show that they're all the same daddy <laughs> but also the king cheetahs can uh see into the past and future and they wear an orange leotard. Yeah, it's just like a minor variation of the regular cheetah. Just a little addition. It's a holographic edition. It's a way more expensive card. I think I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, did anything... I mean, we could talk about how we like literally butchered horses. Oh, I don't know, I think I would that's like interesting. To, I would like to save that for its own episode. <laughs> hey, I got a horse eyeball out all on my own and I held it in my hand and I squeezed it. Uh-oh, don't give away the secrets. Stay tuned, folks, it takes, if you want to hear about that. It takes mad, mad skill to do Just that. Just get ready. You think you're ready? You're not ready. You're never ready. Also, we're going to dedicate it to the horse lovers out there. <laughs> yes, to all you horse lovers, this is for you. Well, that's going to do it, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. We hope that you learned some cool facts about cheetahs. And you just learned how, like, ridiculous and stupid and amazing they are because they're all three of those things. Uh, If you Mm -hmm, enjoyed this episode, mm -hmm. please feel free to check out our Instagram. Can you give them that information one more time, Flora? Uh, Our Instagram is keeper underscore chat. Because that's what this is. Yep. This is a keeper chat. It sure is. And that Instagram is where we post fun pictures, facts, links, uh, whatever, pertaining to what we talk about here. So look forward to yes. information about king cheetahs. Look forward to, I don't know. I'm going to put up a picture of Chitara. I was going to say, maybe a little space and time. Chitara. Yeah. That's going to be the end of this episode. Next week, I am going to be presenting my animal. Starts with the letter D. Fourth letter ah! of the internet. To Flora. D is for. You'll find out. D- dongus. Oh, oh. It's going to be the dongus. Okay, well, I'm going to have to pick something else then. Okay, ruined it. Bye. <laughs> As always, guys, if you like this, cool. If I guess if you didn't like it, then that's cool, too. I don't know. 
Also, rate, review, and subscribe. I heard that other people on podcasts say that, so I'm going to start saying that every fucking time. Ooh, you sounded really cool when you did it. Yeah. Oh, thanks! Rate, review, and subscribe. All right, bye. See you later.